Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti here with a good friend that that I um I guess the first time I met you was probably when you were in junior high. Is is that ring a bell? Yeah, me? you're probably right. It may have been a little bit before that. Oh my goodness, you yeah. were so young then, and now you're. How old am I? Not you're old. You're not old yet. I'm gonna uh, be 36 in February. Seriously, you're not even 40 yet. Not yet. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Well, uh, Clayton Kendall, uh, welcome to Training for Manhood. Thank you for having me. Yes. Uh, great pleasure here. Um, our topic today is actually um, a relatively kind of heavy uh, topic because of a particular event that happened in your life um, that, uh, that caused a significant amount of grief and stress and strain and difficulty in life. And um, sometimes it just happens. Things happen in life, right? It, it may not be, uh, as in your situation, the loss of a child. Uh, it could be um, the loss of anybody. It could be a, a divorce. It could be a job loss. It could be so many different things sure. um, that, that just bring um, stress and turmoil into the life of somebody. So I want to talk specifically about your story and what happened. Um, but I also want to talk generally about just things that you learned through the process that could help somebody else um, walk through, in a sense, the valley of the shadow of death, right? The, the, the grief, the turmoil. Um, and then how do you find your way um, back to a place where uh, you feel like, um, in, a, in a sense, right, that you're, you're, you're walking in the light again? Sure. Um, you know, uh, just kind of what, what does that look like? So um, I, I guess it's, let's start with the story first. Sure. And, yeah. and what happened? So such an important topic. And it's a privilege to share my experience with others, um, specifically others that may have recently gone through grief, but mm. certainly will in the future. So it began uh, with my family, my wife, Ashley, and I. We uh, have three children. Uh, we have four children, and we have three children today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost uh, our third child, Myers, uh, three years ago last month. Mm. Uh, we've got a nine-year-old, uh, Miller, uh, and we've got uh, Molly, who is a seven-year-old, uh, third and first grade, and we have Ford, uh, who is two. Uh, his name's Crawford, and we named him after Myers, uh, Myers Crawford Kendall. So about three years ago, uh, Myers had a common cold, and we thought nothing of it. Uh, he's going to get over this, and you know, one night he uh, had trouble breathing. And we're like, okay, well, so we'll take him in. We're going to get a breathing treatment. And, you know, within 12 hours of being at the hospital, we found ourselves uh, transferred to Children's Hospital, uh, and he was diagnosed with uh, something called myocarditis, which is very rare. Uh, and what it means, basically, is that his heart was uh, enlarged. It was inflamed from the common cold virus, and uh, uh, we spent several weeks in and out of the hospital over the course of about six weeks. Uh, and it was tough. It was, it was weighty. It was something we were not prepared for. Um, we actually thought we were on the road to recovery. 
there was some options on the table on uh, some medications and some uh, hopeful healing on a long, maybe year-long journey. Mm -hmm. And the last time that we were in the hospital, um, he ended up passing away. And so uh, it was certainly... It was certainly unexpected, but not out of the uh, realm of possibility. But the direction that we thought we were going, we thought we were going to have complete healing here on this earth, uh, but the Lord had different plans. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing, I don't think anybody's prepared. I just, you know, I think the reality um, of losing a child, uh, as every parent has had the, um, you know, the, the concept of, um, it's, it's always a possibility, um, you know, just it, it, you've heard the strangest stories from different people. Um, we've known people, you know, uh, kids are diagnosed with cancer and you go, I mean, oh, my goodness. I mean, um, but nothing really prepares you for losing a child. There, there isn't a, right. uh, even if you, in a sense, can kind of see something coming, um, there's not a preparation as a parent for losing a child. It just, you know, it, it's in a sense, it's that unnatural concept, right? Children are supposed to bury their parents. Parents aren't supposed to bury their children. So no matter how or when or how much preparation you get, now you're right, you didn't have much preparation at all. Um, because I remember, you know, hearing about Myers and, you know, in the hospital and, you know, uh, social media, which, right. you know, the, the great thing about social media is when it's used well, <laughs> um, it gets the word out to a lot of people. And so sure. a lot of people praying for Myers and um, you know, just kind of, it was, it was a neat thing to just watch, um, a community, um, you know, and I've known your parents for a long time. And so, you know, all of their friends and loved ones and yours at the church that you were at and, um, you know, with your brothers, I mean, just so many people surrounded you, um, immediately with a lot of prayer and, 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 um, kind of helping you walk through, um, his illness. But when he passed away, that's just a whole different ballgame all of a sudden, um, and so, um, it was interesting because one of the things, uh, that happened, um, when he passed was, um, you know, his, his funeral, his celebration of life going home. Right. And it's right. just like, how do you, how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare? Um, how old was Myers when he passed was, so he was about 18 months old when he passed. Okay. Um, and he'd be almost, he'll be, he would have been five in April, yeah. next April. So, yeah. I mean, he's, he's less than two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you prepare to go talk about the life? Right of a child, yeah. um, and that you know God has taken him home and and make sense of this in some way. Dad, um, here's the stage, and mm-hmm. here's 500 people sitting in audience. Uh, what are you going to do? Um, I went to that, and I would say that um, I mean it was it was a this may sound weird, but it was it was a beautiful um, a beautiful event. It was I a agree. beautiful celebration. Um, that what you had to say and what others said. Um, was I thought the most um, profound, uplifting truth that we have to hang on to as Christians, uh, and that is that you know not only is life important here and valuable here, um, but it really is a precursor to uh, the eternal life, right? Life together with God—that's sure. what we're created for. Right. Uh, and so, in some sense, um, Myers is simply where he's supposed to be for eternity. He's just there a little bit early. That's right, and I'm um, a little jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and right. It's yeah, and so you have that, and 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 it was um, a really neat thing. But that that right in in the process of grief, that's a particular event. But right, then what happens from there? And we can we can go back to that. But what happens from there is um, you wake up the next morning, and in some ways it sounds weird, but like you go on with your life, right? Um, and then you have the series of firsts, 
right? You have the first Christmas without Myers. You have the first Myers birthday that is not here. You have a first this. I mean, all those things, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in some ways, right, the, the ideal is to get back to normal. But of course, there isn't normal. There's now a new normal, right? right? And I think actually COVID kind of helped with this. It did. Because it's kind of like the, you know, the process of, yeah, things are different. They'll never be back to what they were. So what does that mean? It means I've got to figure out what this new normal is. And so um, tell us about just one in preparation, right, for that um, celebration of life. What was that like for you as a dad to prepare for that particular event? Well, I'm really glad you asked that because in any circumstance when a loved one passes, it's def- it's difficult to prepare for that. And I think that it can be a true honor and it actually can be full of joy mm-hmm. when, when you know truth. Yeah. And because I know who God is, I know who I am in Christ, I know what Christ has done for me, I know what that means for, uh, for, for my soul, and I know that I'm living for that. There's a joy and a peace that comes with that in the midst of grief, uh, grief that um, I cannot imagine going through that if I did not know Christ. Yeah. And so for my experience, walking in preparation for uh, speaking at that funeral, uh, at my celebration, I was excited. Uh, it wasn't necessarily easy. It was uh, it was sad, and there was pain, mm. but there was peace in the midst of the pain, and I was excited to share that peace and joy that I know is true with essentially everybody I knew in one room, because yeah. I know there was people in there that don't know that truth, and, and that was an honor. Yeah. You know, I've had um, some good friends who are pastors, they talk about the whole idea of um, officiating a wedding, um, and they, they talk about the... the you know, the weird part about officiating a wedding is you talk about all these wonderful things about, um, you know, marriage and the celebration of life together and, you know, all these different things. And I said, it's, it's funny because when you look at the room, um, nobody's paying attention to the pastor who's right. talking or what he's saying, right? The bride and groom are definitely not listening, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And so he's like, it's, it's a very unusual thing because you, you can say the most profound thing at a wedding and nobody remembers. He sure. says, but when you do a funeral, mm-hmm. everybody's paying attention. Absolutely. And so, so you're right. That that room that was full of people, right? Everybody, in a sense, was on the edge of their seat, waiting to hear what you would say, and the ability to share with them truth. You don't get many opportunities like that, right? I mean, you grab a guy for coffee, and you know, hey, share your faith, talk about life. You know, that that's fantastic. It sometimes takes a very difficult event in life mm-hmm. to, in a sense, kind of remove the earwax, right? Open up that channel so that a person can hear. Now, that event was something that happened to you, but I think everybody kind of leans in a little bit and says, wow, like I can, I can feel how difficult that would be and I really want to hear what you have to say, right? Sure. And I think you did a, a fantastic, you know, job in playing that role as the dad and sharing that um, and, and allowing us all um, to to be exposed to that truth, right? You did a great job. Now, from there, um, what was it like to wake up the next morning? You know, to, to wake up the next morning, um, in, a, in a lot of ways, uh, it, it felt like, an, like a normal day, like any normal day. And I don't know if I really liked that. I wanted it to 
I felt like I was leaving a, a piece of my life behind and right. I didn't, I wanted time to stand still yeah. and I didn't want it to move on. And specifically for us, uh, in our situation, Myers passed, uh, and we shared that news the next morning with Miller and Molly cause they were not there. Yeah. And so that was uh, a moment that I'll never forget. Uh, they were very young. Miller had, a, has a really good, um, understanding of what was happening at the time. Um, but that, that was almost more difficult sharing that news with them than, uh, preparing and going through with, in the funeral. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We talked, um, a couple months after, um, we actually did an alumni podcast. Uh, you came in and talked about this particular event. And right. then a few months later, um, you called and said, Hey, I want to do that yep. again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why was actually specifically because of COVID, um, because um, it was shortly after, right, Myers had passed was when COVID hit. We all kind of went into a lockdown. You spent time with your family. Right. Um, and it wasn't until after COVID was over that you kind of realized, oh, well, that was kind of an unusual grief process because it's almost like you didn't get back to normal life. And so you grieved differently. So t- walk me through just kind of how the two different grief processes kind of worked. Yeah. So uh when somebody experiences grief, immediately it's going to be an emotional experience. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it's going to become more historical when you start thinking about the memories of your uh, your loved one. Mm-hmm. And so it was very emotional for us on the front end. Um, but specifically, that time gap, when I came back to re-record that podcast, I realized uh, at the second recording and at that time – uh, and the reason why I requested is because I could look in hindsight and I could see uh, a lot more clearly where I struggled mm. in the grief process. Mm. And I had a really good friend that lost her brother about seven years ago uh, in a tragic accident. And she told me within a month of Myers passing, she said, hey, you look like you're doing great. You look like you're doing strong. Uh, really proud of you. But in a year, come talk to me, wow. and you're going to look back, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to look a lot different. Sure. And I want you to know that's okay. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, that's interesting. But then it actually happened, and I was like, wow, she was spot on. Yeah. I could look back, and I could see uh, how I struggled with grief, um, but I couldn't in the moment. Interesting. Yeah. Now, how did you uh, – I mean, family, right? Family dynamic dealing with grief. Um, everybody handles it differently, right? Everybody processes things differently. I don't think there's right necessarily what I would consider a, well, this is how you have to do it. Um, I think you have to do it. <laughs> yeah, you have to go through it. Well, and yep. here's the thing I'll say this, right? Cause this is a podcast primarily for men. Mm-hmm. I would say if you took the stereotype of men, um, and put the issue of grief out there, um, I would say that what we would consider the stereotype of a man is that grief is something, an emotion um, that men don't want to deal with. And so I would say that it's probably difficult for men to really wrestle with your emotions, to really kind of work through that. Um, So as a man, one, tell me how that processed for you. And then tell me about just, right, as you you watched other people, um, you know, as you worked through that, were there other guys that are kind of like, hey, Clayton, get back on the horse, let's go, you know? Or... 
Um, did you watch other people kind of process grief differently than you did? And what did that look like? Yeah. So, you know, I think for a man, certainly in, uh, this Western cult culture, mm-hmm. it's, you know, pick up your boots and move on yep. and men don't cry. Yeah. Men don't, yeah. men don't cry. Right. And, um, and I, I'm a crier. I'm a big crier. <laughs> I'll just admit that on <laughs> air. <laughs> I, I, I'll admit it too. I'm a huge crier. So, yeah. And so I think that, uh, going through this process, you know, for me, um, I was very open about my experience and, was willingly ready to share with people okay. because I felt that that was the most healthy. Yeah. And I actually uh, started to realize that the reason that I did that is because uh, I felt really close to Myers, but specifically close to the Lord when I would share my grief story. Because during the, the process of Myers getting diagnosed and being in the hospital and him passing and speaking at his fu- funeral, I have never felt closer to the Lord in mm. my entire life. Mm. And so by sharing my experience over the course of the next year, uh, it really brought me joy, and it reminded me of how good God was during that season. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So how did you handle people not allowing you to greet? Like, how did you handle people kind of you know, I don't, I mean, family, work, friends, right? I mean, when people see you, it's kind of like, you know, how, how did, how did you deal with just allowing yourself to grieve? Well, I have to give my, my, myself space and time. Mm. Um, I'd have to carve out time to, uh, honestly rest because for several months I was just tired. <laughs> I was emotionally, physically tired. Yeah. Um, at times I didn't realize that. And I had people speak into, uh, my life saying, Hey, you need to take a little, little time and rest. Um, and a lot of times it was Ashley and I telling each other, Hey, let's give it a little space here. I can, I can see that, you know, we're just, you're worn down. Yeah. Did some of that wearing down play itself out in, cause sometimes, you know, when, when Trisha and I are emotionally exhausted, um, because we are so close, um, we allow ourselves to, right? Um, allow the tension to play out with each other. Sure. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, Trish will be looking at me and she's like, listen, I, I know that this actually isn't a problem that you and I are having, <laughs> but it's playing itself out in this particular problem because you're not dealing with something else. Right. right. So did you have some tension just in the marriage that you guys had to kind of walk through then? Yeah. So, you know, there was certainly an aspect of, um, I felt like that I may have, had this perspective and treated other people somewhat differently after going through this grief process, um, almost in a sense of, well, I've been through this and this was extremely difficult. And mm-hmm. so what this other person is going through, you know, they just need to move on. Right. Really? And, yeah. Okay. And I struggled with that and I didn't know I struggled with that until months into my grief process. And and there was some times where uh, certainly Ashley and I had to learn what was best for each other uh, and how we grieved. And it did look different okay. at times. Yeah. Was there any part of, in a sense, the grief process as you've been going through it um, that you felt like you really struggled with? Yes. I struggled with a lack of motivation. Okay. Yes. And I was, not only was I tired and exhausted, that definitely contributed to that. But the, it was hard for me to focus on really just everyday uh, normal activities and responsibilities, specifically when it came to work. 
it was uh, it was hard, <laughs> and it took some time to get over that. And and what did you? What was it that kind of helped you move past that particular point? Really, first it was me recognizing and just admitting, okay, I can see that I've been lazy. I've had this lack of motivation, sharing that with my community group guys. Yeah. Um, and then reminding myself um, of what is true, reminding myself um, of what my role is as a father, as a, a provider, and then just kind of leaning into that and letting the Lord kind of take his course with me in grief and just kind of heal me over time. And I think that over time, that tiredness and that lack of motivation and laziness uh, wore off, but it definitely took some encouragement from some of my friends. Okay, so something that you said earlier plays into that. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, at some point, you kind of felt like you needed to just kind of um, get away and rest and give yourself permission, right? Right. And at the same time, right, you need community around you to help push you through this. How do those two balance then? Well, it's really hard during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> good, good point. <laughs> and I, let me touch on that real quick. Yeah. So, you know, shortly after Myers passed a couple months, COVID hit, everybody went into lockdown. Yep. And, and so I, that was a little concerning thinking, okay, well, we're not going to be surrounded by friends or community. You know, they're going to still be here for us. But physically, you know, we're a little limited in that. Right. Yeah. Now, we also had a goal for our family uh, the year, the whole year after Myers passed to spend more time together as a family and really focus on the family. And COVID actually provided that. And so it was really an answer to, uh, from God. Yeah, because it's the only people you could spend time right. with. Right. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It Can't was. see anybody else, but you can see family. You're like, well, that works perfectly for us. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. But and then after COVID, mm-hmm. um, how, how did the community kind of come in and walk alongside you? Um, was, was there ever tension there of, Hey, listen, I just need space. Or were there guys that were able to kind of come alongside you and help motivate you, you know, knew the things to say, knew the things not to say. Sometimes I, I find it, um, interesting, right? I mean, I go back to, you know, the book of Job, right? You got right. four friends who come along, right? And, you know, they all well-meaning, right? And, and them just being there right at the very beginning, their presence was exactly what Job needed. But when they open their mouth, right, <laughs> it's like it, it went from bad to worse, um, you know. And so I think that sometimes how things happen with us as believers, right, is is we know we need to be there, right? Just that ministry of presence, right? I know a person's going through a difficult time. Let's let's be there. Let's show up. COVID, of course, pre- prevented that. You had more time with your family. But once that was over, and you get the community to come back in, um, but yet sometimes people say things that are just not helpful. Um, you yeah. know, they're, they're you know they're. There are things that you're like, ooh, you know, should I correct that, right? I mean, just you know, the things that we say, um, especially in a, in a person when they when they pass, um, you know, I think that that idea um, sometimes, you know, people's bad theology works itself out in conversations, right? And you're like, I think I need to correct that. You know, God gained another angel. It's like, nope, Myers is not an angel, right? <laughs> he's right. he's actually a child of God. Yeah. I don't let's not reduce him to an angel. You know, <laughs> so, um, you know, um, you know, or, or things like you know, um, you know, this is what's best. And and the, and the reality is, it's like, you know, the the idea of death being best. Now, you and I talked at the beginning, right? Myers is at home where he's intended to be, mm-hmm. um, but yet death is a result of sin. You know, and, and we weren't intended to die. We were intended to live, right, with God forever. Now, um, because of sin, it, it brought out, you know, the reality that we live in today that, you know, we have to die so that we can be in the presence of God. 
but it's just kind of that thing where people, I think, sometimes, um, you know, try to lighten the idea of death as if it's no big deal because now he's in heaven, when in reality, death is a really big deal. Um, he's not here, right? And he doesn't get to experience the things that, you know, that we're walking through and talking through and growing in, right? And, and you know, that God had created him to do all of these things. Now, God created him to be with him, and that's where he is, but I, I, I you know, sometimes you just listen to people and, and it, it doesn't help um, when people try to share things with you to make you feel better and they end up kind of going, that, that's not really super helpful. Yeah. So how was that as part of, you know, the grief process? Um, how did you deal with people that, you know, would say things that just weren't helpful for you? Well, to, to be honest, you really have to approach them with grace. Mm-hmm. It's not something that they've been through. And I've learned more than ever that most people are uncomfortable and really don't know what to say, yeah. and then they get nervous and they say something. Yeah. And and <laughs> you really you really just have to extend an olive branch there and just in just be graceful. Yeah. And and I think that's um, that's uh, mostly my experience when people would would say things, and I just kind of offer them some grace. There's certainly a lot of people that were so uncomfortable that they just didn't say anything, and you can offer them grace too. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, where would you say you are now today? Yeah. What what does that look like? I mean, I don't I don't really know if there if there's an uh, in a sense an end um, of grief. Um, I think there's a moving on from um, a, you know a, a, a new normal of, of you know a growing towards something else, right? But what does that what does that look like today? You know, it's it's definitely different uh, than it was just a couple of years ago. Uh, it, the my grief journey and process is um, changing every single year. Mm. Uh, I would say that life does feel more um, normal today than mm-hmm. it did a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, since Myers passed, we've had the birth of our fourth uh, Crawford, mm-hmm. uh, and in a lot of ways, reminds me of Myers and feels like he almost never left. They're very similar, but there are still times, and they're unexpected. Yeah when you just have no idea when you're going to be triggered. And, and then you almost are like, how, how come I was triggered? What's going on? You know, and and it, you kind of freak out for a moment. But then, then you just kind of – you can reset, recenter, and uh, remember that, that grief is a lifelong journey. Uh, it's not going to stop. It's just going to take different forms um, as you move through life. So interesting that you use the word triggered. And most people, that concept – um, is a negative, okay? And and here's here's the interesting thing. Because of Meyer's condition, mm-hmm. right, was a heart condition. Right. Um, little symbols of hearts um, got placed all over the place because people were praying for Myers, and then when Myers passed away, right, that same thing just kind of spread all over, mm-hmm. you know, the community that people put little hearts as a symbol up there to basically kind of be in, um, you know, unison with you and let you know how much they appreciated you, loved you, you know, miss Myers, all those different things. Okay. Still to this day. Now it's not my son that I lost, right? It's Myers. Mm. <laughs> but if I see a heart still somewhere, <laughs> yeah. like it literally makes me think of Myers yeah. and I'm just like going, that's, so it's a weird trigger, but for me, it's a positive trigger. Right. I don't know what, what's that like for you? Is it, is it depending on the day, depending on the situation, depending on what you see, but whenever you see a heart again today, is there something that's kind of like it, it takes you back? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. If I I can't look at a heart any different, and every time I see a heart today, it's 
I, I think of Myers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's still hearts in the windows of houses in our neighborhood. Uh, we've got a Christmas tree in the house that is covered in hearts. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> it, it's a, it is a positive thing yeah. to, to see that. Yeah. Um, and so that's a good trigger. You know, yeah. it's a good reminder of, yeah. of, of God's goodness and um, celebrating Meyer's life. Yeah. And I think, you know what, it, it's interesting. I think um, good triggers, right, like, you know, Ebenezer's, like little um, stones of remembrance, right? I right. think those are positive aspects that we don't need to run away from, um, that we need to allow. We, we, uh, we had a very good friend who, um, you know, um, who lost his wife and she loved butterflies. So there were, you know, everything about the funeral was butterflies. And, you sure. know, the concept was, is they go out and they're taking pictures of butterflies and it just reminds, you know, them of what a wonderful, you know, wife and mother she was and her life and all the different things. And I'm like, those are good things. You know, I don't, I don't think we need to run from those. Um, even though it does in a sense trigger that emotion that comes back. Um, I, I think it's, you know, to me at that, that's part of life. Part yeah. of life is the remembrance of, um, you know, one, that, that death is a part of life, um, that it wasn't intended, that God provided a way for us to be with him for eternity. Um, and all of that is part of the conversation. It's not just Myers, but it's like, you know what, here's the deal. I know where Myers is, right? right? And I can have that conversation. And so um, I think about this, uh, the, kind of the first time it really, really kind of hit me um, as far as uh, you know, a parent lose, or, yeah, a parent losing a child. Um, with Levi Lusco, um, when mm-hmm. his daughter uh, passed away, her name was you know Lenya, um, and he wrote a book uh, called uh, "Through the Eyes of a Lion." Um, and so I'm reading that book at the gym. Not, mm-hmm. uh, do not recommend this at all, right? <laughs> but I used to read a ton at the gym. Had this little you know book clip, and I'd you know, read as I'm on the elliptical and everything. And I'm just reading the book, and I didn't even know what it was about. Right. You know, Levi right. Lusco reading his book and uh, chapter three is where she passes. And I, I totally wasn't ready for it. Mm. And I'm literally on the, on the elliptical machine crying <laughs> in the gym. Right. Right. And I'm looking around going, I must look like a complete fool. <laughs> right. But that was part of the thing where um, he still talks about and he still preaches about and he still has little mementos and little things like that that remind him of his daughter. Sure. Um, but the reminding of the daughter is one, the great grace of, you know, the gift that God gave them for, you know, getting to parent her forever long they had her, but also of the, you know, where she is today. Right. And that's, that's what our hope is that that's where we're going to be someday. Um, and so it kind of triggers your mind in terms of the hope and not a negative, but more of a positive, Mm. but in some ways there's still a little bit of that loss that goes with it. Right. Right. So, um, what would you, what would you say just kind of a, a, you know, last word of advice um, to any man out there who's um, dealing with grief, struggling with grief, avoiding struggling with grief. Mm. What would you just words of wisdom and recommendation be for them? You know, I would say, uh, don't forget that uh, grief, you know, it's designed by God. Mm. And, um, when res- when you respond to grief uh, in a manner uh, that um, humbles yourself, honors the Lord, you will find um, that the Lord is going to draw very near to you. Mm. And you know, outside of that, practical matters uh, don't retreat, don't isolate. Um, if you're experiencing grief as a father or a man, mm. and um, it's okay to go talk to other people. And in fact, it's healthy. Um, so I would recommend that you surround yourself by people that you uh, know, love, and trust uh, that will speak truth to you. Oh, boy. So all those were really good. <laughs> <laughs> 
very practical um, and very powerful. I mean, I, I think you should say, you know, re- rewind that, go you know, hit the 30 second back, right? <laughs> Listen to that again, um, because community is super important. Yeah. Um, but having people who speak truth to you is super important. Very. I think that's, you know, that's, that's the key. It's not just people who give you platitudes and just kind of tell you what you want to hear, um, but people who speak truth to you and tell you what the reality of the situation is so that you can work through it. Right. And I, I think that's, that's important. But, um, but you know, for, for men to be able to talk to other people and to share those feelings and to share that grief, um, I think is a really important process to allow yourself to have the humility to allow yourself to say, listen, I'm struggling. I'm in pain. Um, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm feeling right now. Right. And to allow you, you know, to share that with somebody else so that they can speak truth back into you is a really important process. Yes, it's very necessary. So uh, any great resource that you jumped across, ran across that was helpful to you uh, in the process? or You know, my biggest resource was the community around me. Yeah. And um, at, this, at that time in my life, um, I don't know if I really had the energy to go seek out uh, resources. And so um, it was the other people that um, – were the biggest resource that spoke that truth to me. Um, now my wife would say she did read several books. Um, and I'm not so much of a reader, but, um, there are a whole lot of, um, there's great material out there. Um, that is God honoring that, um, is written in truth that can really support men and uh, women as they go through grief. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love you mentioned that God is near to the brokenhearted, yep. right? David, I mean, the Psalms are full, right, of David's reminder to us because David had a lot of opportunities, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he lost a child as well. Um, and that was, you know, part of his grief process. Um, you know, I mean, he, he dealt with just a lot of emotions. He shared a lot of those emotions. Um, and he realized that through the sharing of those emotions, right, that he noticed that Right. It was when he was broken uh, that God was there, uh, yeah. that you felt that presence uh, in even a greater way. So I appreciate you sharing the process. I appreciate you sharing your story. And hopefully this is an encouragement to some guys out there um, that might be struggling with this particular area or that, you know, in years to come, it might be something that uh, is going to be a, a reality and a difficulty. And hopefully this will prepare them uh, in a way that uh, will help them walk through it in a better way. So Clayton, right. thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man. Man.